Hey there, podcast. Another little uh, episode for you all. Had a chat with Jace Finlay. Shoot, when was that? A little while back. Let's not look into it too much. But uh, good chat with Jace Finlay down on the south coast. Covered a bunch of things. Uh, kind of namely the experience him and the community had down there recently with the bushfires um, that happened during the summer of uh, 1920, just before the world changed again with COVID. So it's a really interesting chat. Uh, it goes through a bit of his experiences down there and it was pretty traumatic. So um, cool to hear a bit about that and to try and appreciate what people went through um, while I was travelling down there. It was really obvious that the fires... Um, were exceptionally strong and they took out a lot of forest down there and took out a lot of buildings, a lot of homes. So um, really interesting to hear about the experience firsthand. Um, we talk about a bunch of other things, his career, his, his journey into the oyster industry, which is pretty tasty, pun intended. And yeah, he's just an all right nice guy. He's got a lot of respect in the water and he's still ripping. So enjoy this podcast. I enjoyed it immensely. And thanks a bunch, Jace, for um, I think we may have even had a beer together. So, cheers, mate, and I hope you all enjoy this one. Okay, I'll be just outside the video on this one because it's not really about me; it's about Jace Finlay. I was reminded that, you know, about this time last year with those bushfires that kind of came through. Mm. Must be about a year or coming up to a year soon. Yep. End of November. End of November. Okay, yeah. so it's another month or so away. Yeah. I mean, it's it's quite shocking to see just the, the extent of the damage on the way in. You were obviously here. Mm. So... Can what was it like on the ground when you were when it was first kicking off and kind of when it got serious? Like what what was the vibe like for you and the family? Yeah, it's all kind of un was unprecedented stuff for us. Mm. So we definitely um, we were being cautious. Mm. Got wife and the family could go down the coast and just there was peace of mind that they were safe, mm. but. The guys around the area stayed just to make sure yeah. uh, everyone in the town was okay because there's a lot of elderly who wouldn't, have, wouldn't okay. have been able to get out and things like that. Yeah. But it was more, it was probably the drawn out process that did your head in. Yeah. So it really was a, for us it was a three month, three months of intensity because it hit Pawley Point in November. We were mm. one of the first that slowly got surrounded. Yeah, right. And so you're taking shifts up all night for a week straight because you don't know whether embers are going to come that day yeah, or they're going right. to come the next night. Right. You just have to be on it. So we did we did that and the roads were closed off after the fire came through. Mm. It, it just missed a friend's house up the road and we were up there kind of helping out the fireys to make sure we could look after the houses. And then the roads closed off. Mm. So it's a good week or two without your family and, you know, reception down so you can't communicate. And it was, it was very stressful. Mm. Like not 
physically being here, but mm. just that not knowing what how mm. your partner and family are and mm. things like that. So then we had a funny story. The, it came through Bally Point. We had a really good result in Bally Point, really, mm. and but then we were trapped here. Mm. It's a we needed to get out to see the family, so mm. we we actually jumped on the jet ski. Okay. With the dog on the backpack, <laughs> in the backpack, <laughs> and just went an hour, an hour by the coast, all the way down to Batemans Bay. Yeah, right. Just to get the other side of the burnout area, because it could have been weeks before they could clean up all the burnout roads and right. fix them up, and we could get to see. Well, because the roads were kind of destroyed as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. What so melted? Oh, like is that what what happens in that, or is it just co covered in stuff? You just yeah, can't drive it. Just a hundred logs down. Oh, okay. That would have to be cleaned up, and yeah. then all the signs and like the median strips. Yeah, there's burnt just out. nothing there. Yeah, they have okay. to. They had to. They had to repair it for okay. for a couple of weeks. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So that, that high stress period, it mm. was just like now it's over. Mm. We've got to get home and see our family. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. A few weeks later, these hot westerlies kept coming back and the fire was kind of just lingering out west and Batemans Bay, where our oyster farm is, was next. Oh, right. So it was the same again each night. Like, it kind of seemed to apex at night. Like yeah, okay. Boiling hot westerlies, you'd be prepared. And then at night, it was when, like, ember attacks were kind of coming. That's funny, hey? Yeah. So you had so, to do shifts. So so you went from doing the Bally Point stuff to then yeah. doing the same thing at Batemans Bay. Yeah. Jeez. And then we weren't there. We couldn't get to the oyster farm because the roads were closed. But the island that we work off mm. set a light. Oh. And it was like a kilometre away. Embers had come over. Wow. And lit the island up. Oh. And so the farmers that were there kind of battled it for a while until the subtly saved them. Wow. So that period ended, and then the fire moved down south to my wife's family home, which was probably the scariest of them all. Oh, and right. 50 acres of her property got burnt through. Wow. And, yeah, there was just another few weeks of staking out with the... So you were staking out at each location? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you became a fireman. Uh, you became a firefighter, or did you have done any training on this beforehand? No, my wife's dad is in the is a or was a firefighter. Oh, okay. He's, he's part time, sorry, a, a volunteer firefighter. Yeah, yeah. But he's a farm guy. He's just skilled. Yeah. And has all the machinery and. Okay. We set up a total plan for the property and things wow. like that. But yeah, it's intense. When it came through that that day to the property. Yeah. Just yeah, the next. Eight hours was just intense chasing it. And really? Yeah, putting it out and then... So you were f with hoses and st you were like yeah. on the hose? We wow. all had 1,000 litre tanks on the back of our utes and were trying to direct it so it wouldn't take over the next door neighbour's houses and stuff. Right. And you'd, it was incredible. You, just put it, you, you would put it out and then the wind would just blow it up and an ember would take it 10 metres that way and then you're chasing it. Jeez. Yeah, so it worked, it worked out. We are lucky. Nowhere, mm. No one we knew was seriously injured mm. and some friends' houses 
were lost, but I think everyone was pretty lucky. Mm. Just very draining, stressful, yeah. stressful. <laughs> oh, few I can months. imagine. I can yeah. imagine. I mean, off the back of it, I mean, that it was you're saying it was kind of like unprecedented for everyone's life experience. Like, was it also the same for like that generation above? Like, like your father-in-law, for example, was he like, I've never seen this before. Like, was it for everybody? Was it unprecedented? Or yeah, I think. This, yeah, for that spread of yeah. country that was burnt, unprecedented. But I remember October, November-ish, um, there was a lot of talk about fires this summer being a really hot summer. Yeah. And my father-in-law said to all us boys, oh, if a fire starts, this whole coast is going to go. Like the whole, the whole coast and the whole state. And we just went... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no way, Kev. They can control this stuff. They can, they've got it covered. Oh, we could not believe it. Yeah. It just played out. Yeah. <laughs> it would just linger out the back for yeah. a month. Yeah. And then the winds would change. And blow it all over. Just, yeah. Jeez. Crazy. Around here, I mean, it's... Is it bouncing back in... Like, Bally Point kind of seems to be kind of back altogether but there are parts of the south coast that are still kind of they're still waiting for services to be reconnected and things yeah. like that a year later aren't there there's still examples of that around here isn't it for sure yeah mm. if you drive into conjola or through mogo yeah mogo main street one side of the whole street is like a whole row of shop fronts and houses behind it are all totally gone wow so those people yeah, I don't know what they're up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just like trying to, Jeez. trying to recover. And those sleepy towns, like not everybody has insurance kind nah. of thing. They're kind of off the grid. And, yeah. Yeah. So nobody's covering them. Yeah, yeah, it'd be tough. Jeez, and then, you know, you got through that and then there's a global pandemic to, <laughs> to, to bloody deal with. I mean, in terms of the, the stress and everything of, of things... Because you're a business owner, I want to get to that throughout this podcast and kind of that kind of responsibility you have there. But you know, did the pandemic come by and affect you more or less, or has it just been actually maybe a relief because it's kind of happening in other places, not really here? No, it it was a triple header kind of thing between the fires. So what put out the fires was a big flood, right? And we had two floods in a row, really. Which wasn't it wasn't detrimental for safety yeah. around here, but as an oyster farmer, oh, right, it shuts our rivers down, right, so, because of the runoff that goes through the, yeah. the water and it affects the harvest or it affects yeah. the oysters, right? Yeah, did they die off or they could have because of the ash ah. from the fire? Yeah, it could have oxidised the water so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So we were stressing about that, but it was more. You know, people kind of save up their stock to sell at Christmas. Yeah. Okay. So I miss Christmas because of the fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a good Easter's coming, boys. We're making up. <laughs> Floods. Yeah. Miss Easter. Oh, God. It's all good, boys. <laughs> We're going to make it up the rest of the year. We... COVID. COVID. Every restaurant shuts. Shuts, yeah. yeah. Jeez. <laughs> so we're only kind of a year and a half into the business. And the way it's structured, we're not in big debt. Okay. So cool. we're lucky. Yeah. And the oysters have stayed healthy and are now bigger. Okay, because they've had more time to grow. But it but it's this weird thing where usually you sell off the top of your crop so your juveniles can fill 
your infrastructure. Okay. Because we can't haven't sold anything. Yeah. We've had to expand our whole op- so oh, spending money. Put juveniles up onto new racks and whatnot. Build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build all new infrastructure to right. house these oysters. Right. When really we don't want to be spending anything. Yeah, right. But the oysters are healthy. And cool. I think this Christmas is going to be crazy busy. Well, yeah, that's good. I can definitely, coming from an oyster farming town like Foster as well, yeah. you know, you can see that there's people consuming. You know, you know, yeah. The restaurants are at least up there. They're people filling them out and... Mm. And they all want to eat, eat oysters around Christmas time. So, I mean, let's come back to oysters a little later because this is a bodyboard podcast. And like, <laughs> I don't want to get people too down with the, the plight of the world and all that kind of stuff. But let's go, let's go back to the origin story or whatever you want to call it of you. Mm. Because, you know, like you, you kind of came up through... How old are you now? 34. Yeah, okay. So you're a couple of years younger than me. I mean... I remember when you were coming up as a young fella behind, you know, I was a couple of years older, so, you know, I just remember this kid coming, and um, but then I tapped out and vanished, and I feel like I kind of missed, you know, I wasn't really part of the scene when you were, yeah, you know, okay. coming up onto, the, onto things, and I do, but I do remember very clearly watching you win the Fronton um, yeah. event, and I was like, holy shit, he's just won that, and yeah. that's nuts, like, it was a, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. We'll get to that. That's what I thought. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. And you were so shocked the whole way. And I was like, oh, I like this guy. He's yeah. like humble and he's winning and it's sick. And, you know, I want him to win now. Yeah. Um, so it's really funny to see that. But how did you get into bodyboarding in the beginning? What's the origin story for you? Grew, yeah, grew up in Wollongong. Mm. And Bully Point, where we are now, was the holiday house since a bub. And it's a bloody good spot to have a holiday house yeah. <laughs> for a bodyboarder. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I started surfing first. Yeah, right. But because it's just tailor made for bodyboarding down mm. here, it just naturally mm. came back to the bodyboard. Yeah. And yeah, that was our little. We had a little crew down here that were bodyboarding, so yeah. that was we were just trying to get into all the little slabs. Yeah. So as soon as I finished school and in between studying at uni. Mm. I just made Bully my home. Cool. And while I was studying uni, that's where I was keenly like trying to chase. Yeah. Yeah, a career mm. in booging. Mm. Yeah. Did you? What did you study at uni? Teaching. Okay, so you're a qualified teacher. Yeah. Huh. PE teaching. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Did you, was it hard to balance the two? Because I remember I was at uni when I was chasing the boog career, and it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do both. Mm. How did you how did you balance it? I think I um I've had a uh, I don't know if it's realistic or if it's pessimistic, but I've always just thought that a body warning career for me wasn't going to have longevity. Like I, I knew it would just be for the experience, the mm. incredible times. Mm. So I was doing that degree knowing I can chase it even harder because I got this fallback. Yeah. And PE teaching, like, it's only intensive for periods of the year. Mm. So there was plenty of free time. Yeah. Really. And I don't know, it would scare me when guys would say, yep, I've dropped out of school, I'm going to chase this burger. Yeah, yeah. I was like, 
I'm like, that's cool for you, but for me, I just need that comfort to yeah. know that I've got a backstop. Yeah. And it probably let me chase it harder. That's interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it, that's pretty mature. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's pessimistic or realistic. I'd just say it's just yeah, mature. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, yeah. this thing ain't going to last forever. Yeah, only this, yeah. Did you know it, it from the very beginning? Like, like, did you know it when you were enrolling in uni? Like... Because did you go from high school straight to uni or did you take a year off or... I did a year. Yeah. Then had a year off travelling. Yeah. And then finished the last three years. Okay, so you locked in for those three. So you would have been finishing it up in your early 20s. Yeah. 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 But you you kind of knew in your early 20s that this is what... Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah this yeah, is for the deal. Sure, for sure. Cool. Like for this generation anyway. Yeah. Like, like a few generations before. Yeah. It, it was a probably, different thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a different thing. Okay, so, I mean, in that time, though, you, you definitely did, when you were chasing it, you definitely were able to make a really strong name for yourself and, you know, the the competition result of Fronton is the one that I remember most. But, I mean, was competition your thing throughout that period or was it just the free surfing? Yeah. I, I had a conscious effort to stay away from competition, really, but I still held... Shark Island comp, like, yeah. that's the pinnacle of bodyboarding. Yeah. That's what I grew up on. Cool. Idolising. Yeah. So then when comps started going to places like Fronton, yeah. I was like, yeah, that really got me excited yeah. on the competition format. Mm. But in saying that, that's the only two competitions I'd do the whole year. Like, yeah. it, I didn't want to chase it anywhere else. So you never had the aspiration to, to hold a world title above your head and... No. Go yay, look at me. It just wasn't in your DNA. No, no, no. And I'm competitive. I'm competitive in the surf to get the best wave, mm. but not competitive to train in smaller stuff nah. that you need to win a world title. Yeah. Yeah. I'd just jump on the surfboard. But funnily enough, Instead. I mean, the great, I guess the irony for someone, because I, I was more focused on competition in my early days and I was that dork training in the <laughs> shitty waves <laughs> at Tung Curry Beach or whatever and spinning and, and not having that when you can but not good. having that much fun to be honest like because it gets a, it can get a bit tiresome and it gets it, it drags you down a bit because you're kind of like oh, training again I just interviewed Lester yesterday he was yeah, training he was, king, he was training and he was he got very good he won a lot of titles and and all that kind of stuff. But funnily enough, I was going to say, because you did win Shark Island in... Which year was that? 17? I was going to say it was 16 or 17. 17. So you got your Shark Island yeah. and you won Fronton. Yeah. And like guys that train for world titles have won neither. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just funny that you, you kind of managed to stay in your, in your, in your kind of focus. Yeah. Like you're like, no, nah, don't. I don't want all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. I just want to focus on these two things and you win them eventually. Yeah. I guess I, I don't think I even train for those two events specifically either, nah. but I just have a love for those waves mm. and a hunger to try and do something. Yeah. Like try and be get crazy with it. Mm. And I think it just suited it. Mm. Take us on a little journey back to Fronton, 
because it's actually, as we record this, they're about to start the comp there oh. tomorrow, I think. I think it kicks off tomorrow. Awesome. I mean, was that, I want to say it was 2011 or 2012 or 13. It's in that little... 2011. It was 2011, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. And you weren't on the world tour. No. no. Were you a wild card into it? a wild it card. For the sponsor? Yeah. So you're yeah. starting from scratch, I'm guessing, first round. I don't know whether they had seating in that event, but you didn't go there expecting to win, I'm assuming. No, no, no. Not the intention. I, no. I went, I went there to make a video part. So I had a month there and, and train, and not train for the comp, but just get, like, I really love that wave and I've yeah. been there a few years before. Mm. And just wanted to, to kind of, really get to know it intimately, yeah. mm. um, and it was a big year. It was a big waves that year, and I was just, I just loved. I was just hungry for the bigger stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I had no expectation to win, no way. Mm. But like, I was hungry to get a comp highlight. Maybe. Yeah. I just like was like, yeah, I could, I would love to do the biggest move. Yeah. In this comp or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So when I kept getting through the heats, I wasn't even up until the semi. Even I wasn't even thinking I need to get in that final. It yeah. was just like I'm hungry. I want to get the best wave. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Were yeah. you relaxed out there? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was just I was just hungry because it's really big. It's pretty solid front on, wasn't it? I, I remember that morning of the biggest day mm. and Dallas and I were in the first heat of the day. Mm. So it was really low tide, really sketchy. That's the worst heat to have out there. And massive. <laughs> oh, no, it's the worst <laughs> heat. And I Whenever you see you're in heat one or two and I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. But <laughs> I don't remember watching it all morning going, it's too low and it's too big. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. But then we had the meeting with everyone and the organizer was like, so guys, we need a vote. You're going to kick this off. And yeah. I remember just going, let's do this, man. <laughs> like, these are the things like that 2001 Shark Island comp yeah. that kind of no one will ever forget. No, okay. So I was like, yeah, we cannot turn away from this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's do it. And it worked because when I came back, I heard there was a, a world surfing tour event somewhere maybe mm. maybe even pipeline mm. and the waves were crap and all the surfers were watching the bodyboard yeah event. right because it was in gnarly it was gnarly waves. yeah and i mean it's pretty i i know from my own experience that it's like when you're getting that first heat of the day and it's lower tide and you, you can because you you're there for a couple of hours before and you're you're deliberating mm. over like whether it's a good idea to surf and all you're seeing is a dry rock ledge yeah. pop up pretty much on the takeoff and then at the end you see it go dry again and you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I reckon in a couple of hours this is going to be alright. If it's six to ten foot, you're kind of like, oh man, this is going to... And it gets bigger, like the tide comes up, the wave gets bigger. Yeah, It's a bloody hard thing to relax around. Yeah. But did you did you find, like, were you in a place of relaxed? You know, were you kind of in a in a space where you weren't too phased about that, or were you at a heightened like adrenaline, like, oh, let's go do this? Yeah, I wasn't. Um, 
I wasn't stressing about it just because I'd had three weeks of surfing it. Mm. Like, but I was just, I was hungry. I remember, I remember even Dallas saying that you could just see that I, I, I just remember I wanted to catch the first biggest one that came through. Right. And it kind of wouldn't have mattered what happened on it. And I mm. got absolutely flogged mm. on that first wave. But I was like, yeah, I got that out of my system. Yeah. Like, I'm still hungry now. I'll, yeah. I'll get a good one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know. I was just excited. Yeah. yeah. It was a cool thing. And so when you got through these heats, I mean, do you remember, see, Dallas was in your first one. Do you remember the kind of the, the list, the cast of characters along the way? And, and I don't remember all the exact details of it, but there just seemed to be this momentum behind you the whole thing. Mm. It was just kind of like, oh, here he goes again. And just kind of like a train speeding up out of the station. Mm. I mean, was there a heat along the way that's more memorable than others for you that I, jump out? Yeah, I know where it changed. It was a pretty. I think it was the day before they ran the competition, and mm. it was small, mm. smaller, and it was the last heat, last towards the end of the day. And Jeff Hubbard and I had a heat. Right. And the waves were terrible. Ah. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, Hub's, Hub's, Hub's got, got me. me. Yeah. Like you all, would assume that much, yeah. All I could do was yeah. pull in and and he would just do an ARS. Yeah, ARS yeah. Really exactly. Like, Hub's got me. And there was 30 seconds left mm. and I caught this terrible two-footer, took me on the inside. I'm paddling, paddling away to go in. Yeah. And the tiniest little wedge comes and... Um, I just caught it and did an air reverse. The only like kind of air reverse section. Yeah. Did an air reverse, landed it, and got just enough to be. I think I remember head. that now. You say that. And then I and because <laughs> there was a few things, Hardy was going for the world title. Yeah. And so that knocking Jeff out gave him an opportunity yeah. as well. Yeah. So I got that heat, and I was like, "All right, flip if the I can switch, win that one, flip the switch." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Hub was actually yeah. when I ended up winning, I was like. Oh, this will make Jeff feel better because he knew he got beaten by someone who ended up winning the thing. Yeah. But it actually pissed him off. He was like, that could have been me who yeah. won it. <laughs> he went the whole way after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think oh, it is. I trying to give you justice. See, but... see, there is a thing like, I, I like that. I liked losing. I know what you're talking about because I liked in my first year at Fronton, I lost to Jared Houston. And then he won the event. Oh, yeah. I was like, mm. cool. It's good to be beaten by the guy that wins the whole thing because you kind yeah. of feel like you, you had something. If I won that, then that could have been yeah. my victory. It's this <laughs> kind of idea that everything would have gone your way as well. It's funny because I but doubt it's true. That's, yeah. his, that's his great... Um, well, yeah, sorry. That's Hub's great, like... That's the only way he could see it because he, yeah. he loves the competition. Yeah, and he yeah. wants to win. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why he's so successful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. And so the momentum all the way, you know, once it got to the semis, did you kind of think, okay, I, I can win this today? Did, when, when was the point, like, the, it, it changed when you beat Hub, you kind of thought then? So then what, the whole next day it was all yours? Oh, still not thinking I was winning no matter what, mm. but just like, I'll just go into every heat mm. and not give up, just... I know this wave, I'll just go for it yeah. every heat. Yeah. And so the semis was, at, was with Rawlins. Yeah. And that's like a 
would have been a dream since I was a kid yeah. to have a big heat with Rawlins. Yeah. And the waves didn't really produce, and mm. I actually felt a bit bummed and guilty yeah, that right. I didn't go, get to go head-to-head -head with him. Uh-huh. Because... I was like, this is going to be mental. Yeah. He's going to be boosting like he yeah. does, and I'm going to be trying to yeah. beat him. Yeah. And it ended up that I just had good wave selection. Yeah. But I, I, I left the heat saying like, oh, sorry, Mitch. Like, I wish, I wish we just had that. God, you must have annoyed so many people this comp apologising after it. Like, you know, like, yeah, all these big guys, they're like, yeah, cool, man. No, oh. thanks. Oh, it wasn't like that. It was genuine. I, I wouldn't have apologised to anyone oh. the whole way, but that's my character. It was genuine. I just... Yeah. I wasn't in it to ruin world titles or to, <laughs> or to knock people off the tour. Yeah. I just was a wild card yeah. and I wanted to get sick waves. Yeah. yeah. That's funny, though. I think... From my recent experience there, I know that when you can just be relaxed out there, mm. if you can just be relaxed and I know just, yeah, just be relaxed and then when the wave comes, yeah. you take it and you deal with whatever happens. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. is part of a secret to success out there because I think if you start to stress out there and it's such an intense wave and so it can become so consequential in your mind yep. that you can just like yeah. ruin it for yourself. I so I think that. there is that kind of, um, like you're saying, just get the best wave, yeah. have a good time and, and do what you can, not be worried about winning or losing and yeah. just keep going. So... No, yeah. that's funny. That's funny. So, who did you have in the final again? Who did you knock off in the final? Um, Surely you're... you're <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I remember the Rawlins here, but I actually can't remember the final. Was it Winnie or was it... I've got a mind blank. Yeah. Was no, it Pierre it, it or... was... Um... Probably Moz. Wouldn't Moz have been up there? Why have I got a mind blank? Didn't matter. Didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> who remembers second place didn't, anyway? Didn't matter who it was. That's classy. Let's fast forward to Shark Island because that was a pretty cool, um, obviously a, a meaningful victory for you. Yeah. That that wasn't one of the massive years though, was it? No. Rawlins got that one, didn't he? In the dying seconds. Yeah. Year didn't before. he get it from you in the dying seconds? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had. It was a crazy run. In the previous five years, yeah. I had a fifth, a fourth, a third, a second. That is gnarly. And then a first. That's gnarly. Yeah. That's gnarly. So it was like. And no one remembers fifth, fourth, <laughs> <laughs> third, or second. <laughs> I do remember the second, though. I did remember that. Because it was pretty monumental for Mitch to take that. It's yeah. very dying seconds, but how did it feel to finally climb that mountain? Oh, do you then? know what he said? He said, "What's that? Got you back from the <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> got you back. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. How did it feel to get that? Yeah, yeah. At the presentation, because it was close between Sean Pine and I, mm. and Sean Pine probably rides it better than anyone. Yeah, he's pretty days. solid out there. Incredible. Mm. And so. It was really close and we got to the presentation three hours later mm. and we're standing up there and I didn't realise at the time but you can watch the video, I'm just like, I'm built up like tension and when it, when they said that I'd won, it, it was almost less of stoke, it was more just 
thank God I finally got this thing. Yeah, exactly. Because it just means so much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure. It was such a relief. Yeah. 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 Have you done one since? There hasn't been one since. There hasn't, has there? Only been a club, club comps. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. I finished on the top. Yeah, still... I've held the yeah held the title for uh, <laughs> for a long four time. Years now. <laughs> the reigning shark Island reigning champion. Sh- <laughs> oh well, good. Hold on to that as long as it lasts. Mm-hmm. When did like I just met your son there and he's Buzz yeah. Lightyear costume. <laughs> yeah. Wife's in the next room working. Child asleep in the other room. Nice dog. Pretty aggressive at first, but came good <laughs> in the end. <laughs> You're a family man. Like you've you've got responsibilities and and you've got uh, a a new business venture which we'll get to. Yeah. But when did you're definitely not kind of in bodyboarding in this kind of daily stuff? I'm sure you get your moments and your in your spots around here now. Yeah. When did that kind of transition really happen for you? And was it a tough one to deal with? Um. What are those noises? <laughs> Just some native flora and fauna. Some native fauna having a fight. <laughs> yeah. How did that transition take place? Or was it just simple? No, there was... So, yeah, in my mind, it was a career that was only short-lived. Yeah, so I prepared from the beginning. Yeah. Prepared for that and was in that mindset. Mm. But I, I did think I had another couple years... Of doing it full time, uh-huh. but there was restructuring with. Uh, I don't know how much I can even talk about it, but World Bodyboards, yeah, who owned a lot of the companies, and I was riding for NMD with World Bodyboards, yeah. changed structure, yeah, and NMD then got owned by yep. Ben and Winnie, yeah, in Australia, yeah, so. That kind of came to happen, and for the for that moment, it was like, right now, Jace, we can't sponsor you. Yeah, we've got to do this transition, and yeah, yeah. And so, I was out of sponsorship. Stopped really quickly, like probably a year or two before. It's I the same it was story going. for everyone. Everybody's got exactly the same story, but yeah. Pl- sorry, and go so, on. It no, 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 no. Fuck out of me. When I hear things, but I've heard this story so many times. Yeah. Okay. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so I was devastated. I was yeah, devastated sure. because I was like, oh. How old were you? I had, I don't even know. No. Uh, yeah, maybe 28 or something. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Okay. Maybe more okay. recently. But you felt anyway. like you had a few more, you had a couple more years to really give it a good red hot crack. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But in saying that, um, I still had opportunity. So okay. I had that devastation and I was like, they sucks. Like I've yeah. been so lucky, but I thought I had more in me. This yeah. this sucks. Um, but it's okay. I've got my back up. Yeah. I've got my great life. Mm. And I had an opportunity from a sponsor to continue it for another couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful for that. But mm. by that time, my mindset had changed because I'd had a big lay period mm. and I was like, well, maybe this is just a good natural mm. progression for me to start my next life yeah. and and keep it as my love and my passion. Mm. If I was to commit to that 
company from then on, I would have had to have like, I would have been obliged to do a lot of things mm. in those years. Yeah. And it was at the time where I wanted to kind of get a head start on the new career. Yeah. I wanted to have kids. Mm. Bodyboarding's not really compatible with those things. Yeah. Well, it can be for some people. Yeah. But for me, because oh, yeah. I wasn't... A big thing for me is I wanted to finish when I chose as well. Yeah. I didn't want to milk it. Yeah. I didn't want to be seen as the... Or I didn't want to personally think trying to milk it. Yeah. So I was like, this is my opportunity to go out when I want to go out. Mm. And then I'll have my own freedom. Mm. I can... I signed with JG, mm. Joe Gibson, yeah. for no money, mm. just because I loved what he did, yeah. and I wanted no obligations on me, yeah. and I just wanted to work with someone who's awesome yeah. and amazing, and keep it as a love of mm. the sport, not have it dictate what I did those years yeah. where I was, my mindset had already changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you take money out of the equation, though, because I know for me... It's a similar type of thought process where I loved when I came back into it and I just spoke to my old mate Mitch and mm. I started riding his boards because he's my mate and I was like, cool, I'll I'll get a couple of those, let's do this. And, and then no one... I had money back in the day for bodyboarding and there was the opportunity to really push it that way but there was a lot of stress and a lot of obligation and, yeah. and a lot of like... It took a lot of the fun out of it but now... Now that there's no money in it, and I'm like completely chilled about yeah. the fact that there's no money yeah. in it, I get to have a good time yeah. and just kind of. And Lester kind of said a similar thing yesterday when he he made his own comeback onto the tour. He did it on his own terms, yeah. and he loved every moment of it. He got to revisit old places. He got to reconnect with communities that he, yeah. you know, had a bit of time off from. So it's yeah, funny when you take the money out of the equation, it becomes this pure passion again, and I think everybody feels yeah. so much nicer yeah. about it. So it's yeah, it's interesting to hear the same from you. But I was probably more lucky because I didn't have to force the competition scene. Mm. So a lot of the trips were just pure, awesome, amazing, yeah. enjoying it. Yeah. But just at that period, I didn't want to be obliged to do anything. I'm like I'm making my decisions on this. Yeah. Yeah. So one of your decisions was to start growing oysters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. That, is that what was that the big decision at that no, time? No, that was luck actually. That was luck. That was luck. Okay, but you did manage to make some babies. Did make it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Got that bit done. Got practice, practice for a few right. years. Yep, got it right. <laughs> Finally got it right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was committed to teach. No, okay. actually, I was committed to do anything as long as I could live in Bali Point. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, all right. But teaching was there. And okay. I, and I started teaching. Around here? Yep. Sick. And I was like, okay, I'm living in my dream spot. Mm. Got my family, get to spend as much time as I want with them. Mm. Teaching, I was I was getting into it. It's really great pay. It's yeah. good people. Yeah. But it, it didn't, like, grab me. Like, nah. I was... It wasn't a perfect fit. Nah. But I'm like, okay, this is me. I can still do so many great things I love mm -hmm. from where I am. Then my sis my wife's sister mm -hmm. started seeing a fella. 
and he's an oyster farmer. Yeah. Awesome guy. We all become best mates and we're all a big family. We're yeah. a really big family. Yeah. And one day just teaching wasn't working for me and he said, Oh, come out and try the oyster farm. Yeah. And like, yeah, day one on the river, flying up the river in the morning, beautiful still. I was just like, oh, this is me for sure. Yeah. This is me for sure. <laughs> but you hadn't shucked an oyster yet, had you? No. no. <laughs> no I, reckon that's the, I reckon that's the moment maybe where you're like slicing your hands to bits and you're like, fucking oysters. If you can get through that bit, I'm sure it's pretty good. But no, you literally knew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And to this day, that was five years ago. Right. To this day, I think every second day mm. I drive up the river... I just like get this full sense, like when I enter the surf, you just go, oh, thank fuck I'm doing this. Yeah, right. This is awesome. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's a rare, it's it's a rare thing for people to say about their job. It was just pure luck that I got into it. Mm. But then once I was in, I was just Mm. poured, poured myself into it for sure. We literally have, and I mean, I, I I sampled some of your delicacies a couple of years ago now when yeah. we were down for the Kama Comp, and I mean, as a foster, you know, Wallace Lake oyster guy, I was yeah. thoroughly, I was impressed by the, um, <laughs> is it the Clyde River? Clyde River. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was, they, were, they were up to scratch, I can say. <laughs> Pretty high standards where I come from. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's cool, and it seems like you've really, um, like, what have you done differently with it? Because I noticed a couple of things. I noticed that you've got this really cool brand which has really nice looking people opening oysters at nice events before COVID, of course. Like, there was this real kind of beauty about the marketing around it. Yep. There was also this kind of um, this thing around this oyster life management stuff, which is what you kind of that's I don't know what that's all about, but it seems like you've kind of built a bit of an ecosystem around this and then I saw the smart oyster thing which funnily enough I looked I it came across my eyesight a little while ago as this kind of new data driven oyster management kind of thing. Yep. What's going on? Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot there's a lot yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, but I mean yeah. it's a great opportunity to educate people about it because it's such a interesting industry and it's bloody munging on some oysters in Australia goes yeah. back thousands of years. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. actually super yeah. interesting as like a as a as a a food that has sustained and civilizations, yeah, yeah, and a big part of the passion passion is now I've educated myself on mm. how good they are. For yeah, the world. yeah, yeah, <laughs> like they're really good. The most sustainable, uh, is the most sustainable type of farming you can do mm. because a healthy a healthy river has a healthy oyster system, mm. and if there's a health there's if there's a productive farming system on that river mm. that river will never get developed yeah so one you're protecting the development of that river system yeah and then two your oysters the more oysters in the water the cleaner the river is they're yeah. filter feeders cleaning yeah. the river yeah and there are food there are food that gives so much health benefits yeah 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 they're so, really interesting yeah so that's like, it's things I've learned. Like I first got into it because I love being on the river. Yeah. 
then I'm learning all these things from my brother-in-law mm. and I'm just going, wow, like, yeah. why didn't I know this before? Yeah. Um, Did you like oysters before you got into it? I, I, had, a, I had a moment <laughs> with my brother-in-law. Okay. I had never really had the opportunity to eat oysters okay. before because I'd only ever seen them in fine dining restaurants. And they'll probably, t- like, I'm not paying for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a cheap money hoarder. <laughs> no, can't afford that one. It's not on the budget. So we were on a, a Bucks trip with yeah. my brother-in-law. Yeah. Canoeing down the river. Yeah. Camped on the side of the river. And he brings a sack of oysters with him. And we're a bit dusty. And he's on the back opening them for me as I'm paddling. Yeah. And yeah, just this fresh, salty hit. I was like, whoa, these are, <laughs> these are amazing. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm hooked. I'm on. Yeah. <laughs> so that was before you got into the industry. You were kind of happily consuming. I guess having yeah. a brother-in-law that was already in the field, you're going to get access from then on is pretty easy to get. Yeah. So, I mean... You've, you've kind of learnt more about the industry, but I mean, what are the, how has the business gone for you? I mean, obviously yeah. lately it's been this triple smash to your, to your work, but I mean, have you been happy at the trajectory? Like, I mean, it's a business you've started, right? Or you, or did you jump onto something that was already existing? So it was my brother-in-law and his father mm. put in the hard slog for 15 years. Right developed a marketing company that skipped the wholesaler who was strangling the whole industry yeah yeah uh perfected really high quality restaurant oysters Mm. and then developed an app that would help manage oyster farms so they've done everything they're behind every bit of this yeah okay cool so so i've come in to work for them Mm. at the development of the app Oh, okay. Yeah. So cool. If, so at that point, this was happening and we were like, I was like an active part of it going, yeah, this is cool. This is what needs to happen. Yeah. He, he was training me up to be his farm manager. Yeah. Because he was trying to get to the next step. Yeah. And over the years, it just got to a point where he was getting so busy with his other ventures mm. that it was myself running the farm on an operational basis. Yeah. And his father is there every day, but they're kind of thinking, oh, succession, like how are we going to keep this thing going? Sure. And came up with this amazing way to grow and incorporate his brother-in-law and actually our other brother-in-law Oh, right. Okay. So So it's a full-on spread out. Oh, geez. (laughs) Um, We're all just best mates. Yeah, cool. It's really cool. Cool. And we're a management company that yep. manages their farm. Yeah. So we manage their farm, but we also have had several other um, kind of impact investors, hmm. people who think the industry is great for the environment. Which it is. Bought up a farm themselves. Uh-huh. We run their farm as well. Okay. So we're running five oyster farms. Wow. Under our brand. Yeah. And it's such a great structure because, first of all, for the company, we don't have the millions outlay yeah. to, to grow. Mm. Then also, we're like-minded with our investors because they're, they're sustainably minded mm. and they're kind of part of the family now. Mm. So we profit share 
we profit share any profits we get with them. Mm. So we're, we're so aligned that we all want to grow together. Mm. Like, mm. And if we have a bad year like this year, mm. we all have a bad year. Yeah. And that's okay because we're, we're on the same level. Yeah, cool. What about the app? What's that all about? So the app is... So the app is my brother-in-law. He's this is where he's going now. Okay. He's um, it's a it's a farm management tool that mm. works on GPS and records every bit of data about every single oyster that's on the whole farm. So we have several seven hundred thousand dozen oysters out there in the water. Seven hundred thousand dozen. Yep. And they're so seven hundred thousand times twelve. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, and so they're all spread out between their year and life cycle. It's three years to grow an oyster and every four or five months, every oyster needs to be brought back in the shed, graded and put in a different spot. You grade them over time so that they, restaurant quality, this is about, what's the grading process all about? Probably more you want to keep, you want to put them into their size range Uh and thin them out so when they're, get put in a new spot they have equal opportunity to grow uh-huh okay if you have a big oyster and a small oyster this guy this eats it all dominate. this guy gets nothing. yeah okay cool and um and we'll look at the oyster and see what it needs it might need to be in a rougher lease okay. to rumble it up and, okay. and smooth it up or it might need to be in a, a freshwater area that's calm to give it a chance to really shoot up and okay it's basically yeah the app the app tracks everything and almost we've we've set parameters on it so it alerts you when an action needs to be made right so you could almost give someone the phone and say here's the oyster farm you can run it now if you follow this yeah yeah and so he's taken (laughs) he's taking that global cool and it's going to turn into smart fish farm yeah smart coffee farm yeah smart yeah it's going off yeah yeah cool i mean this is pretty big stuff yeah i mean it's um do you when do you have time to bodyboard anymore okay that's a good point <laughs> because the when we formed oyster life yeah our vision statement yeah is that we only want to ever want to work four days a week <laughs> <laughs> and, and the impact investors were cool with this right Matt, this, is, this is our like, we, before you invest those millions, just look at our vision. We are four-day people. Man, that's cool. It's efficiency. Yeah. Cool. So, like, yeah, the people that we have in our team, families first. Yeah. Lifestyles first. Yeah. The business works for you, and like we're still we're still learning, but yeah. we literally. We've only ever had four days a week and there's three brother-in-laws and we overlap a couple of days mm. so we do get a full work week. Yeah. But we're just like really on top of technology mm. and efficiency gains because we'll never we'll never have a fifth day. <laughs> <laughs> like, so the tech we, we got and the kids. efficiency is, all, is just to make sure you've got those four days locked in you have to get better at efficiency and productivity yeah, yeah. there's no way <laughs> these brother-in-laws are not going to be there on friday and it's not because <laughs> and it's not because we we don't want to work hard like no. we work hard I'm when sure. we're there we go hard yeah but it's 
our priority is family. Mm. Yeah. Our priority is we all have young kids. Mm. We have that whole day with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully <laughs> you're inspired by this. I'm going to talk to him about how to work for this company once we finish the podcast. Um, well, that's cool. So, I mean, I think for the listener, I mean, to let them know, what they can actually, well, I know this already, but you can buy direct, right, online. Can you still do that? Yeah, so that yeah, that's what COVID pushed us to do. Yeah, okay. So, it's a blessing See, in disguise. And you had to, like... yeah, get that sorted out. So, people can actually go to Signature Oysters or is it the Oyster Life? No, it's Signature probably either. or... Okay. You and they can check, buy direct from you. If you check out oysterlifemgmt.com, yep. Yep. that gives you our full story. Yep. And then the link just buys them through Signature. Sweet. Yeah. So you can get amongst the Clyde River oysters. I can say that they're decent oysters. <laughs> um, but people can expect to see more of you. Like, I mean, you, you're kind of blessed around here. You do have some amazing waves around and people probably are always happy to go and film you and help, you know, capture whatever you do. So, like, I mean, do you see... Bodyboarding-wise, yeah. bodyboarding shitloads. Really? I'm surfing shitloads. Yeah. I'm surfing heaps. Yeah. But... I don't have the passion to call up someone and say, oh, come and film me. No. I just surf by myself. But people happen to capture you every now and then, I'm sure. Yeah. They'll see you. Like, there'll be some paths crossing. There's sessions, yeah, there's sessions that everyone's always there. Yeah. But there's a lot of solo sessions that I just, yeah, that's my dream right now. Just appreciating them. Happy. I'm going to leave it there. I hope you're happy with that. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, mate. Legend. Good man.